He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 49 of A Good Talk Spoiled. I'm James Richardson. I'm delighted to say that this week I'm only joined by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. Um, as always, we'd like to thank everybody for their feedback over the last week. And particularly if you have any comments or feedback you'd like to give about this week's show or any information you'd like us to address into the future, we'd love to hear from you. Our Twitter handle is at podcastgts. We're also on Facebook at at a good talk spoilt and finally we're also on our email address which is a good talk spoilt at gmail.com and as we're talking about um the program i just want to say uh, congratulations barry last week and thank you to the listeners because last week was the most downloaded podcast episode we've had yeah it was great we smashed through it um season review seems to be a very popular one and uh, american golf as well so we're we're, we're over the moon and hopefully onwards and upwards. Yeah, so thank you for, for listening, because without you, we wouldn't be here. Um, so look, I suppose we always start off with our own game. You and I played this week again in the Winter League. I have to say it was a beautiful weekend oh to play golf. Absolutely stunning. Clear blue sky. A little cold and crisp, but, you know, it was nice. Perfect winter's day for golf. You know, just gorgeous day, very little wind, and um, some not-so-effective scoring well, yeah, I had 25 points, but which was for 12, for 12 holes. holes. But um, yeah, like there was at least I think one guy went out and had 35 for 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 12 holes in the club. Yeah. So, so uh, just just for everyone, we're we're all very forward tees at the moment. So the course is extremely short and soft with placing everywhere. So it's definitely an opportunity to score. And if you're not shooting four or five under your under par for your handicap, you're you're not going to win any prizes. No, which just makes us look even worse. Where I had 25 points, but Barry, what did you have over the weekend? I had 43 points. <laughs> you did, yeah, if you count both Saturday and Sunday <laughs> yes, together. It's for, tw- <laughs> yeah, it's for 24 hours. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd... interesting. Well, Saturday wasn't that interesting, really. It was just good to be, play with you guys. And uh, I actually started playing well when we played for money in the back six. But uh, I took one of James's um, putters. James is a bit of a putter collection. and he, I took one of his face balance putters, an Odyssey White Ice Terran, to just test it out, particularly on the back of American, Gary's advice in American Golf last week to, um, I should be using a face balance putter. So it actually got the ball rolling beautifully. Um, I was, my misses were consistently right and left. So I think it just takes, it'll take a little bit more practice, but I certainly had the distance control was pretty good. So in, the, in that, that respect, it's, uh, it went down as a pretty good success. And I think it's more indication that I need to be asking Santa for a putter as well as a driver and a few other things I need now. Well, I think Santa's going to be very busy for you then, is he? He's going, yeah, he's going to need a trailer for on the back of the sleigh. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. You haven't been very good this year. I've been terrible. He's probably going to steal the rest of my golf clubs. But um, yeah, no, so it's good. I'm more more good weather on the way, and you know, get out golfing as often as possible. Can't uh, it's hard hard to keep the addiction at bay. Yeah, well, we'll we'll keep playing through the winter. We we tend to keep going unless the 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 wind and the rain is howling down. So we we keep going, but and. Um, I suppose then looking at the news and uh, there's very little news this week, but I suppose one bit just to 
The ongoing saga of the US Ryder Cup has continued this week and the US Ryder Cup Task Force is now planning to meet next week. They were meant to meet this week, but they've postponed it because some players weren't available. They were probably all stuffed from Thanksgiving dinner as well. Possibly, yeah. Um, or they just have no appetite for it. But um, the PGA president has, has announced, which I suppose is the interesting bit out of this, that they have postponed any idea of announcing a captain for 2016 now well into 2015 so it probably will be kind of i'd say around the master's time before we hear Mm. any any talk they're going to have a second meeting in february so nothing's going to be announced before that yeah i think their shows are being very conscious they do not want to make a mistake this time around so it's understandable yeah well we'll wait and see like they they seem to go through a lot of task force every time they lose so uh wait for the next task force in 2016 but um, other than that, there's very little news. I suppose there is one for Shane Lowry, Barry. You you saw this in the news this week. Yeah, he can't stop winning at the moment. So yeah, into the top 50, 50 last week in Dubai, and he just got engaged last week whilst on holidays in Dubai and off down to South Africa this week. So uh, it's all all come together for a cracking end of season for Shane. Yeah, and congratulations to him. Uh, if he needs my wedding folder, I can lend it to him after uh, uh, all the work that I've done on mine that's coming up. But um, somebody who's also winning is Jordan Spieth, uh, played the Australian Open last weekend, absolutely just ran away with this. Um, he's now officially the third youngest golfer to reach the world top 10. Uh, only Garcia and McElroy are ahead of him in relation to it. So it's a pretty impressive uh, you know, performance. He had an 8-under 63 on Sunday, which really ultimately set him up to, to win by six strokes. Was it as comfortable and as uh, easy as it looked on the score sheet, Barry? I got to watch a good bit of it, and it was just a stunning display of golf. And I, th- I think nobody put it better than Rory McIlroy as to what a great round of golf it was. He tweeted afterwards, you could give me another 100 rounds today at the Australian, and I wouldn't sniff 63. Well done, Jordan Speed. Very impressive. Um, it was some round of golf. It was windy. The course is firm. Totally deserved it. And I'd say the tournament sponsors are over the moon because he was an invite. So he really took advantage of it and kind of turned what like, was looking like a pretty disappointing year for him into a really successful year. First American to win since uh, Brad Faxon in 1993. Totally random fact there for you. Yeah. It used to be a very prestigious tournament back in the day. And I guess it's just... Uh, Lack of appearance money these days doesn't bring the big pros down, and the time of year is probably not great. At the end of the you know the PGA Tour season's finished and the European Tour season's finished as and, well. And this was the event that the Rory started la- technically last year. He broke the winless streak in Australia, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, so and he he talked about how prestigious it was, looking at all the names. But and um, there's two points that I'm going to make on behalf of Bobby, who isn't with us this week. And one is that I'd say he is absolutely going ballistic at the chumminess between Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth on that. Very impressive. Well done, mate. You know, I'd say Bobby's thinking, hey, come on, you know, you lost. Just go up and punch him in the face. <laughs> I got Alan Egging on as well. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's another example of how they, they do seem to be all kind of the media guys behind saying you gotta you gotta be nice to these guys but the second bit and more interesting is that Bobby sent in a message to us to comment about the fact that while it was a really interesting tournament and, and it was excellent he was very disappointed to see that they had ventured away from the usual classic sand belt courses that they normally play in Australia the course he believed was a very American course and 
he was saying though that the Australians clearly know how to set up a course. Only eight players under par this year, and only eleven players under par at the Asian Pacific Amateur Championship, which was held at Royal Melbourne. Would you agree with those comments, Barry? I can't agree with everything Bob says because it's just not fun. But no, I definitely agree with the man. I love the way the Australians set up their golf courses. I mean, as everybody who listens to the show knows, I I like seeing par as a target. So to to see a course set up tough and rewarding good shots like speed, you know, hit on Sunday, um, but punishing the bad ones, I love seeing that type of golf. I agree with. I also agree with Bob in that you know it's it's nice to see kind of traditional style of courses from a country. So like you go to Ireland or Scotland, you see a links course in play, and similarly you get that you know Australian field courses. But this is a this is the oldest club in Australia. It was formed before Royal Melbourne, but they were without a, without a course for about seven years back in the late eighteen hundreds. I don't know if there was an American influence in the design. I have to do a little bit more Googling on that. But um, it certainly it was in stunning condition. Uh, fair play to Jordan Spieth. And I'd say he'll have a very, very nice Christmas now. Yeah, Adam Scott finished fifth. And Rory ended up uh, finishing top 20 in, in 15th. Was it, was it just the Jordan Spieth show? Or was there anything to look at any other players in the field? That... There, there are a couple of impressive uh, Australian amateurs. I can't remember the name of one of them now. Bob's been going on about him for days now. I'll keep I'll Google away here while we keep going, and you can cover me. Well, why don't we move on to the the, the Titleist PGA playoffs, which uh, you also had a look at. This is the pros, the the club pros event, isn't that right? This, yeah, this is the tournament for club pros in Great Britain and Ireland, and the reason we mentioned is because the Irish did uh, particularly well this week. It was down on the PGA Sultan Course in Antalya Golf Club in Turkey. Um, in ninth place was Michael McGeady, and fourth was Colin Moriarty. But, uh, very impressively, Niall Carney shot 65, 67, 67 to win by two shots on 14 under. Um, he wins himself a couple of thousand pounds, but most importantly, he gets a spot on the Great Britain and Ireland PGA Cup team. And also, the best reward, I think, is the spot in the BMW PGA Championship in Wentworth next year, which uh, which Rory will be defending. Well, I think, yeah, and congratulations to, to Niall. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very impressive, um, because I'm sure it's not an easy one to win. Moving then on... To I suppose one of the reasons why we extended the season here and one that we were very excited about over the last couple of days is you got a chance Barry to sit down with John McGuire who's the CEO and inventor of Game Golf which for people who might not know what this is this is the automatic shot tracking system for golfers and as well as made famous by Barack Obama who uh, got photoed using it on the course and uh you got to sit down with him during the week to talk about the, the game golf system and how it all got set up. So um, we're going to play that now for you. So I'm delighted to be joined by John McGuire, inventor of game golf. Well, welcome to a good talk, spoil, John. Thanks for being here, Barry. I, I guess we'd have to go back to the very start and you know how you came up with the idea for game golf. It's a wonderful invention, and uh, did you have any inspiration to to create the product? Um, well, first of all, yeah, to understand me a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm constantly, since very early age, always wondering how you can do things better. Um, I have a background that's sports performance, uh, having worked with everything from professional ballerinas to the weekend wire golfer, and I also have a background in engineering sport, uh, around software. So I guess when you bring those three different things together, without a love for our sport, in particular golf, game golf was born, and it was born 
Um, in terms of the product itself, I mean, what equipment uh, does it comprise of? Yeah, so it's very simple. It's, it's um, so first of all, you know, in the box you have a, a device that you wear. That it's a really tiny, little tiny thing that you clip onto your foot, uh, and then there is eighteen tags and really fourteen, fourteen for your clubs and four spares. And each tag has a little identifier on it. So we've got tags for each of your golf clubs and the little device that you wear on your hip. In that device, we have GPS and motion sensing technology. So basically, we know we know where you are with the device on your hip because it has GPS. Um, and then we know what club you're using because we have tags and little tags that are lightweight. They don't affect your swing in any way. That screw into the top of your golf clubs. And from that, and because then as well, we have over 36,000 golf courses mapped worldwide. And what does that mean? That means that you can go out in wherever you are and you can play your local course. Um, our device will pick up the GPS so it will know where you are. Our tags will know what club you're using because you'll already have set that up um, at the very start. And we have the golf course in our database. So we know when you stand on the tee box, when you hit that shot, when you land in the fairway, take out your seven iron and you hit a nice shot onto the green, you know, we know that you were on the fairway, we know that you landed on the green or short of the green, you know everything about your game, and it's really what's what's beneficial to the golfer is, after you're on the golf, you can actually go to your account on GameGolf.com or bring up the app on Android or iOS, and you can actually see your round, you can see the course you played, you can see every shot that you took, you can see all your distances that you're achieving with your clubs, and you can get access to all your to to um, your stats, and you can go as deep as you want with that. Well, that's fantastic. So it's just just like all the uh, the strokes gained we see on tour every week. You guys have got some big name pros on board now, and uh, the likes of Graham McDowell, Jim Furyk, and Lee Westwood. Is there a way for the users to compare their stats against the pro- stats of the pros? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the things we launched. Well, there's yeah, two things we launched challenges. Um, a few months ago, and I can create a challenge against Graham McDowell or Lee Westwood or Jim Furyk, or, or vice versa. Like uh, Lee played in the Fries Open a few months, uh, maybe a month ago here in San Francisco, and he created a challenge on the platform. The system captured his data. He uploaded it to GameGolf.com into his own account, and because he had set up a challenge, it, it created a leaderboard. So then I played a course at the weekend in San Francisco. And other people, in fact, maybe about 400 different people around the U.S., uploaded their rounds of golf into that challenge. And it, cre- it automatically created a leaderboard. So now you could see where you were, you know, or where you ranked uh, in the leaderboard against Lee Westwood. So, you know, it's aspirational from that point of view that you can actually take on Graham McDowell or Jim Fury or Lee Westwood. But you can because we've broken it down through challenges. We, the challenges allow you to compete and compare against professionals are against your, your own buddies. So I'm playing at the weekend and I have a challenge created with my brother Thomas. He's in Ireland. I'm in San Francisco. We're going to be competing with each other independent of location. And that's really one of the beauties of the system. You've also had some great pulling power in terms of, uh, well, Barack Obama's been spotted using Game Golf, and that must have been a huge thrill and boost to the company. Uh, did, did you guys send him a gift of one, or did, did he just jump on the on the bandwagon and grab one for himself? Apple stores as well, and uh, we 
sports. I mean, it just, it, it made, for two or three weeks, it, it basically went global. So it was a huge boost for the company. Someone like that would be wearing our technology. So yeah, it was incredible. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, and uh, have you seen the stats or is that information classified? That information is classified. <laughs> In terms of um, the, you know the future evolution of game golf, I mean, you're obviously you're not going to sit on your uh, laurels. Do, do you have any more uh, uh, plans for how to expand it? I mean, would you? Where do you guys see it going in the next couple of years? Well, I'll tell you what we've done. So we launched in February um, at the end of January at the PGA Show. So we're we're only two hundred and forty days in market. We count every day, and kind of the high level stuff is it's been used in over seventy nine countries worldwide. We have over 10 million golf shots that have been stored in our database, which is incredible in that period of time. We've, we, PGF America is actually an investor in the company, and the Golf Channel is involved in our company as well. Uh, we've partnered with the British PGA, and as you said already, we've got Graham McDowell, the investor and Jim Fury involved in the company, and they've been involved in the R&D of the product, making sure that tour quality, even though it's for the amateur golfer, the normal golfer, in the last few months, then, since we launched, you know, every few weeks we, we release new features. So as I said, we, we after we launch, we release challenges. We, a few months ago, we released analysis uh, slash shot dispersion. So where our, our community members are able to filter their club results by selecting a specific club or a specific distance to see how they perform off the tee box or as they approach the green. So by that I mean, you know, you select driver, you, know, you select your last game, which wherever it was, and you can see what percentage of the time you hit fairway off the tee box. You can see what percentage you went left, you went right. And then also as you approach the green, what percentage of the time you're actually on the green versus what percentage of the time you're off the green. And if there was one value proposition that this device could be boiled down to, it's all about your distances. This, this, it's one thing having a laser device or a GPS device even that gives you distance to the pen. It's a whole other thing selecting the right club to get the ball to where the flag is. And most amateur golfers, 94% of amateur golfers actually select the wrong club. It's a huge, huge um, area for golfers to improve in by selecting the right club. It'll be just in the last few weeks we released game benchmarks. So you can see how you compare your stats with other game golf members who have a similar scoring average. And this really enables golfers to see where their game may have room for improvement or where you need to make focus adjustments. Um, and we're the first system that actually captures your data while you're actually playing golf. So it's actually while you're playing, not at the driving range, it's when you're playing golf. It's also approved for use by the USGN, the RNA. So another, this is the first technology as well that can actually be used in competition. So the point I'm trying to make here is you know, after a number of months, we are constantly listening to our customers. And we actually even allow customers to vote on what features they want next. So depending on what feature is rising to the top, aligned with the strategy of the company, that will get into our product roadmap. So you can expect to see uh, continued development on the platform and through the apps because that's where you see the data, that's where you can set up the challenges, and that's where you can engage. The device merely collects the data and it enables all that to happen. So there's a lot of good stuff coming. I'm not going to say what it is, but there's a lot of good stuff coming. You've decided to come up with a fantastic 
Christmas treat for listeners of A Good Talk Spoiled. Uh, would you like to tell everybody about this? Yeah, so what we do is we run run a competition for the next two weeks. So if you go to Game Gov's Twitter, at Game Gov on Twitter, put in uh, any comment you want about the system, about me, about whatever you want, about you, and also mention your um, Twitter handle, then you'll be interested into a draw to win a, a Game Gov device. Excellent, excellent stuff. Everybody keep an eye on Game Golf, at Game Golf and at Podcast GTS for details in this competition and uh, don't forget to get your entries in. It'll be open for a couple of weeks. Well, John, thanks a million for that. Delighted to hear your success story, uh, particularly from an Irishman and wish you guys all the best in the lead up to Christmas and uh, in the new year and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again with you soon. And that was uh, that was John McGuire, the CEO and inventor of Game Golf. And uh, just have to say thanks a million to John for sitting down with us. Uh, very informative and very interesting conversation you had with him, Barry. But uh, I suppose, like everybody, I may have missed the important bit, which is the competition. And you might just remind the listeners how they're going to get their grubby little hands on one of these. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not. This is, we have to put it out. Podcast presenters and all led to enter this competition, so you're going to have to. Put your grubby hands somewhere else yeah. and maybe into your wallet and buy one for for, for yourself. But uh, it would be well worth the investment. Absolutely, this is a cracking system. So the just to remind people to enter the competition, you need to tweet at Game Golf and also ourselves at Podcast GTS. And the best comment about Game Golf or a good talk spoiled will win. Be chosen by kind of us ourselves and Game Golf. So you know, funny comment, bit of humor, bit of Christmas. I don't know. Use your imagination, and we, we 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 get an input in this, do we? I'd like to think so. Yeah. Well, that's great. So, uh, anybody who wants to send any bribes, my uh, my address is. <laughs> um, but, so, uh, yeah, no, thanks, thanks a million to the guys at Game Golf and John for putting up this uh, fantastic prize. It really, I mean, the, as you can as you heard in the interview, it's a super system, and to be able to like track your own stats. Much like we see the pros stats being tracked every week on tours, uh, it's just invaluable. And and we've been looking at it a lot. I was looking at it before even I started on the podcast here because I I love gadgets and uh, it just looks so easy to use. You know, it's just something on the belt and, mm. and you just you know put the club beside it and away you go. And the great thing is you can use it in competition. I I thought this was brilliant, and this is one thing I you know, found out when talking to John, and that was the one kind of worry I had because we play ourselves play an awful lot of competitive golf and. For me, I wouldn't buy something that I couldn't use in competition. So uh, to, to see this being allowed to be used in competition is great. And I think it's because you only get the results after the round mm. is complete. So uh, it's just wonderful. I think it just become part of your pre-shot routine. You just tag it and it's done and that's it. And uh, it, it's not, yeah, it's like you said, it's non-intrusive. Um, well, like how, how invaluable is that to get that data about what parts of your game you need to work on? I mean, you're just going to cut shots automatically from this. Yeah, it's 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 a great great piece of kit, and what a way to start the new season in 2015 with that kind of data yeah, uh, yeah. coming back. Like you'd be able to knock a lot of shots off, you know. And for the club golfer, looking at the guys in on the pros, you know, you might not think that it's relevant to you, but when you can bring it to your pro and say, "Look, these are my stats," they can straight away. They don't have to waste half an hour having a look. Mm-hmm. They just have a quick idea what's going on. And they can work on that, which saves you money in the long run when you're up at the pro. Yeah, so the unit pays look. for itself. Then. Absolutely. Um, and I love I loved the fun aspect they have about the, the challenges with the pros. You know, got G-Mac and Jim Furyk and Lee Westwood setting out challenges. And then you can challenge your friends. And with John, you know, challenges his brother on the, you know, completely different sides of the world. I just, I think that's great. It, it makes 
it makes something you know useful but fun at the same time so it's just it's a massive win it's a great product and um, being uh, being Irish, it's very proud to see an Irishman succeed with such a great product. Absolutely, and again, just thanks a million to John McGuire. It's it's it, you know it's a great product and and it's a great prize. And we might come back to just how people enter it at the very end. So if you've yeah. missed it, we'll 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 mention it again. Uh, feedback, and we talked at the very beginning of the show that again, thank you to all the listeners for all the feedback that we get. We get quite a bit in each week, so you know. It's it's always interesting to read through. And two that really stood out this week was uh, Martin Sacombe, who I think is still on a high since winning the uh, the top two hundred competition last week, wrote in um, to tell us about uh, a problem that he had in match play. Barry, you you've had a quite a bit of luck at this. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a nice one. So just to give a little quick story here, so Martin was playing in his uh, his winter league match play game at the weekend. I think I, I, it was a four ball match play. So. On the first, his partner had a three-foot putt for par, and it was for a half, and their opponents made him hole out. And on the second, both of Martin and his um, partner's balls were on the green, and one of their opponents as well, whose ball was further away. The opponents put it up to three-foot. They said nothing. Obviously, they weren't going to give him the putt. He didn't mark his ball. He held held out the putt. Now, the guy's proceeded um off they went they didn't make him replace the ball or anything like that like they could have they went to the next hole and it happened again so they're a little bit annoyed about this as you can imagine now ultimately it didn't cost them the match they ended up going on to win four and three and martin kind of asked an intriguing kind of angle on how would you approach this because it's something that if you're playing somebody in match play and you ask them to replace the ball, they're going to blow up. Even if you have the rules, you know, behind you, which we actually happen to have. We, we, you research yeah, it's, what it's, rule it's, it is. it's rule ten ten hyphen two b, which is that the person furthest away has to play the shot. If somebody plays out of turn, their opponents are entitled to ask them to replace the, their ball. No penalty is incurred, and they. In effect, the the stroke is cancelled mm. and 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 they take it again when it's their turn. Um, I think this famously happened in uh, the Ryder Cup. I think it was uh, Seve asked. Uh, now there was a lot of backbiting about it. Um, Seve was bitter you know, because he was getting ha- his ass handed to him on the course by Tom Lehman, and he got Tom to replace a tap input to help him. Seve with his line. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about what Martin Sacombe has asked is is how do you bring it up? You know, yeah. and and. You and I played in a uh, match play tournament kind of the start of last year or start of this year, start of the season, um, where one of the players actually had teed the ball up just in front of the tee box. Mm. And we had seen it a couple of times. Now, he was only a couple of kind of inches ahead, but you, you made a just a slight comment on the way off the tee box of, you know, you should just check where, you know, you've left your tee there. And... Uh, it is tough to bring it up because, you know, if you bring it up on the first or the second hole, it's going to be a long 17 holes of, of a yeah. lot of anger. And somebody could take it as you accusing them of cheating, and that's 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 a recipe for a disaster of an atmosphere in a match. But, I mean, the the rules are the rules, and they if that team, by tapping in or, you know, holding out their closer put, they're actually looking to gain an advantage over you by getting the ball in the hole first, so... I think you can't really give them that advantage and you've got to use the games and shit back and I think you can definitely have a go at them over this. And this was something that we had actually looked at in quite some detail back in week 28 um, which was titled Everyone Uses Gamesmanship which I suppose we had a long debate over whether or not it's, it's is it gamesmanship or is it 
you know, unfair or unsporting. And, mm. and I think that when it falls within the rules, it, it's perfectly entitled to be used. If, yeah. if that, if you have to deal with it. If somebody calls you up on the rule and the rule is clear, I think you have to just kind of suck it up and move on. Um, if you blow up, that's your own mental well, yeah. problem. There, there's a there's a right. I think there's a there's multiple ways to deliver it as well. So it's it's how you choose to attack the problem, really. But you know, you you gotta just know that you're backed by the rules in that case. So um, it's I I think a match play is a bit of psychological warfare, in my opinion. So I think you know, grab every edge you can get, and if you got the rules behind you, then go for it. Yeah, and, and again, thanks to Martin for the for, for both the story and I suppose the the, the question that he raised. Um, Another person who has emailed in who we wanted to give a, a mention to is Peter Thompson, who uh, has emailed with some great suggestions and ideas. And uh, Peter, what I can say is what, we, what we've what we agreed to do is we're going to sit down and have a look at your email in great detail and we're going to mm. feed it into the plan for next season. Um, but we're definitely going to come back to a couple of um, parts and a couple of ideas that you've, you've raised because I think they deserve much greater detail in a, in a podcast nearly on their own. Well, yeah, actually, the, it's probably close to us having a full podcast on one of the ideas alone, which is really exciting for us. And uh, it's it'll be nicely timed in January as well if all works out. So um, also, thank you very much to Peter for the invitation to play his golf club in near Troon in Scotland. Yeah, the uh, uh, Barassi Golf Club, which uh, looks like a mighty impressive place altogether. And so much so that they hosted Open Championship qualifying in 2009. Yeah, so incredible. Um, you, you know, you know, you're looking around playing a nice track like that every week, um, and hopefully we do get a little golf trip away to Scotland. And we're getting invites all over the world. All we need is a, a, a dedicated travel partner now. Yeah. So if Trailfinders wants to uh, send in an email to us, that's uh, at Podcast GTS is yeah. our Twitter handle. Um, the second person, Barry, that you sat down with, and, and this is also something that you know I, I found incredibly interesting, and uh, I hope the listeners do too. You sat down with Dermot Byrne, and that, for people who don't know who Dermot Byrne is, who's scratching their heads right now, that's Shane Lowry's caddy and has been his caddy since 2009. They've just come off the back of their most successful season together, and you sat down to talk to him about how he got into caddying, and I suppose just from there, then over the last 12 months and what the job entails. So we hope you enjoyed the interview as much as we did, and we're going to play that for you now. We're joined today by professional caddy Dermot Byrne, who's been a caddy since 1996. He previously caddied for Peter Laurie, and in 2009 he took the bag of Shane Lowry. He joins us at the end of their most successful season together, rounding it off with a top five in the final event of the Race to Dubai, the DP World Tour Championship. Dermot, thanks for giving up some of your well-earned holiday time to join us on A Good Talk Spoiled. Thank you. How did you get into caddying in the first place? I grew up in Bray, close to Woodbrook Golf Club, and I just started doing it on the weekends to earn some pocket money when I was very young, seven years of age, and just sort of grew from there. And, and I actually, my first job on the tour was actually with a guy called Silvio Grappasani, an Italian guy. Just went from there. How did you end up linking up with Shane then back in uh, 2009? Um, I was in my fifth year with Peter Lurie, and you know, seemed like a great opportunity came along. Graham McDowell's Caddy Ken, who was working um, closely with Horizon Sports, who Shane had signed for, asked me would I be in, if the job was offered to me, would I be interested in taking it? Um, initially, I wasn't, and then you know, we were out with Shane in Loch Lomond, and uh, my God, was I impressed! And mostly with his short game, and 
you know, I couldn't. As soon as we finished on the Friday, I was. I think um, I approached his manager to ask, was the job still available? And please, could I have it? Brilliant, brilliant, nice. I love that. So on tour, like w- with the other caddies, do you, do you ever get a chance to swing a club with them, or is it no, is it, it's, it's it's work when you're out there? It's work, and it's actually you get caught uh, hitting balls on the tour. Is actually your caddy gets fined. It's a two hundred fifty pound sterling fine for getting caught hitting the ball. So none of us do it. Oh my god! Wow. So yeah, let's move on to kind of talking about a typical week on tour. I, I guess it's it's something as as fans we we don't really get to see an awful lot of them what's shown on TV. So, I mean, could you talk us through, you know, getting to an event and, you know, what happens on arrival and how you go about preparing for the tournament? A typical week would be, or obviously you're always arriving at least 24 hours before your player. So my travel day would be Monday morning. I'd arrive at the tournament of where I'd go and locate uh, what we would call a yardage book. And then I'd walk the course and have a look, make a plan of how I think Shane will want to play the course. Then on... Yeah, I'll go and get all his product, his balls, gloves, hats, any changes to his clubs that he might want from the week before, etc. Get his locker, put uh, get the stuff into the locker, and then on Tuesday, um, your player will arrive, Shane, and then he will practice for a couple hours, maybe practice on what maybe wasn't so good the week before, and um, go out on the course and then make a plan. Obviously, the wind direction changes, so you'll have your forecast, weather forecast for the week, and you'll make a plan of which way you'll play the hole, depending on what way the wind will be, depending on what way the situation is, you know, if you're leading, if you're struggling, if you're etc. So, uh, Wednesday is then like a corporate day for the amateurs to come and play, and then obviously you get into Thursday, and which is obviously, obviously what it's all about. Sort of, it's literally it's hole by hole, shot by shot, you never mm-hmm. know what you're getting. Some days you're a punch bag, some days you're, you know, you're a caddy, some days you're a, you know, psychologist, you know, you just never know. Depends on, depends on very much the player himself, how he turns up and how he's playing. And so you mentioned pro-ams there, do you, do you guys enjoy doing those? I mean, have you ever had any, who's like the favourite amateur you got to play with? Um, I've been lucky enough to meet all sorts of different people in pro-ams over the years, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, Aidan Quinn, you know, Kyle McLaughlin. I met Lawrence Kinlan a couple of weeks ago. You know, the list will be endless. And you mentioned that you picked up a yardage book. I mean, from our side, we thought that you guys, you know, you're out there and you have a day to map the course yourself. And we, we, I know there's a couple of guys who kind of, their names are synonymous with yardage books, with Dion Stevens and Graham Heinrich. Would you go and pick up one of their books each week and then make your own notes on top of that? Or Yes, well, I'd start off with Dion's book and then... You know, he'd obviously have a lot of the information that I need in the book. So I would start with his and then I'd make my own changes to it when I'm walking around, you know, what I think is relevant for the player for the week. And like I said, more important probably these days than the book is the forecast, the wind directions, how each hole is going to play and sort of get a feel of the way the course is going to play in the tournament. In terms of like getting on to playing the tournament, is there any sort of particular approach between the starting day, say Thursday and Friday? I mean, obviously goal number one is trying to make the cut. Once you've got past those two days, does it differ on the weekends and how you approach and attack the course? It's like any race, I suppose, like any marathon. You're jockeying for a position. You're trying to get yourself in the best position you can. You know, if you're playing really well, try and go for it. But if you're not playing so well, try and keep yourself in the tournament and don't knock yourself out. So. 
so so kind of it's circumstantial about whether it's go time you know if, if you if you, you guys think you have a shot and you exactly yeah if a shot's on you go for it if you weigh up the calculations is it worth you know if it worth if it doesn't if it doesn't work out is it worth the risk or yeah so a shot that was on recently was uh, was the hole in one on the thirteenth in Dubai for us like to see it on TV you know it, it didn't look like a, a a go shot you know it was over bunker it was two hundred four yards to a small little part of the green was it just a perfect number or were you just trying to get it inside twenty foot funny enough we'd, um, we we know the course pretty well and we've practiced there I've played there a few times with Shane and we've often said when they put the flag there it is a go flag you know not many players would see it as a go flag but Shane would always say to me that the putt from right of that flag where the fatter part of the green mm-hmm. is actually quite a difficult to put fast downhill it's isn't fast it fast downhill so he said you know you're better off maybe just over the green there and it's actually quite an easier chip than it is a putt mm-hmm. and obviously okay. with his his being such a good chipper of the ball, he you know he's almost as, as chance of a birdie with a chip as he has a long putt. Brilliant, yeah. He made he made a beautiful swing. It was a nice flowing attack. He looked he looked happy with it. Yeah, in the air it looked really really good. So you know, obviously it's a bonus when it goes in the hole, but you know, in the air you're sort of thinking this is going to be very close. Nice, nice, good feeling. Yeah. Shame shame it wasn't on the hole with the car, but you know he can't have everything. So he got two nights in the Atlantis. Oh, that'll work. <laughs> Did he give you one? No, I didn't want to. He did, but <laughs> I gave it back. Okay, so like that—that's something that goes that went brilliantly for you guys. Um, let's go. Let's go to the flip side. Unfortunately, and it's something that us as amateurs we have to deal with. You know, bouncing back from tough holes all the time. Sh- Shane had a, a tough stretch there in Turkey. Um, after a brilliant first four holes, he went triple double. I mean, what do you got? What did you do in that scenario to kind of settle him down and get him to the end of the round, or just for even for the next hole, just to kind of get the mind right to, to get back to normality almost but like we spoke about it um, we were talking about there a couple of minutes ago on Tuesday you talk about this stuff and you talk about when that happens what do you do you, it's a process every hole's a process every hole's a new hole you know if you didn't play one hole well that was the, that was the last hole it's not important anymore whether you played it well or you didn't play it well that hole's over mm. no matter what you do you cannot change the hole so you start a new hole a new hole get going again and try and make a few birdies just deal with it at the time. It's kind of not how you fall, it's how you get back up. Exactly, yeah. It's, that's it. Moving on to majors, how, how does a major differ from a regular tournament, or, or does it at all? Do you try to keep it very regular in the routine, so nothing changes, and I don't know if you can just go and do your regular execution? Well, there's no such thing really these days as a small tournament, so it would be unfair to say that, you know, I wouldn't say you approach it anyway differently than you would in other tournaments. You know, there's a lot of pressure around every tournament, you know, world events, race to Dubai, Turkey, they're all massive tournaments. You know, we obviously put a little bit more um, emphasis on the preparation, whereas, like, we've already spoke about going to practice rounds for major tournaments next year, you know, when we have a week off and maybe one that's in April, we might try and get to practice a couple of days there in January or if there's one in, you know, next July, we we'll try and get there in May. You know, just just to have you know get a feel for the place, what they're trying to do, how they're going to set up the course, etc. In terms of caddying success for yourself, what what was your first win as a caddy? I, I won a lot of programs as a caddy around Ireland as I was going up making yardage books with Paddy Skerritt, who was one of my favourite ones. I think I was fourteen years of age, and he won the the, the program up in the Grange Golf Club over run over two days, and he was nearly seventy years of age, which was amazing at the time. Um, 
There's another one, a caddy for Liam Higgin, so that would be hitting Kerry Man. I would have won a lot of proams as a caddy for him. You know, a caddy for Kevin Morris, for uh, the, the pro of Fold Island Golf Club. I would have won a good few proams with him. So, so you had a lot of experience winning from a young age as a caddy. And yeah, but not not not, not tour standard tournaments, yeah. but winning's winning, I suppose. So it must have been pretty special to get that the first win with Peter Laurie in Spain in 2008. It was, yeah. It was a lot of hard work. And as we all know, winning is very difficult. And you know, every credit to Peter, he worked hard for it. And he had, we had come at the time through a long stretch of Irish winners. Darren Clark had won two weeks previous, and Damien McGrain had won the previous week. So it was nice to keep the Irish run going. Um, and he was brilliant that week, he really was. So it was great fun to be part of it. And uh, how would you, how, how do you celebrate a win? Like, how, how, what did yourself and Shane do, for example, when you won uh, in Portugal? We had a, there was a Irish bar down in the village and we went down and had a few beers and danced on my way. <laughs> nice. Well deserved, well deserved. Shane's had a phenomenal year. It's been his most lucrative year on tour ever, winning over 2 million euro. He shot his lowest scoring average ever on tour, which was 70.36. And while he didn't get a win, I think it's safe to say his win this year was getting into the top 50 in the world rankings and opening up all the doors next year. Is that the way you guys see it? And how satisfying is it to have taken to the next level with him this year? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you start out at the at the start of the year and you don't have any specific goals to win anything, but one of your major goals is to be, you know, to get yourself exempt for all those prestigious tournaments. And like you say, he he done that, so that was a win in itself. So, you know, hopefully, obviously, everyone likes winning, so hopefully, you know, he's doing all the right stuff and a win isn't going too far away. Yeah, he's been, he's been playing, he's been swinging it beautifully out the last few weeks. We were cheering him on, and the, the the little blip in Turkey was quite a crusher for us. And it was, it was great as fans to see to see you guys do it in the DP World Tour Championship, that cracking final round, and big highlight for us. In terms of highlights for you guys, what were your highlights of the year? Personally, Wentworth, I suppose. I really, really enjoyed Wentworth. Um, I've obviously I've been going there for a long time now. I think I've, I think I've had even something like twenty Wentworths PGAs. So um, that was very enjoyable. It's unfortunate the way I finished, but if you're finishing second to Rory McIlroy, you're doing something right. Hmm. That but that put on the last was that a was that a team effort to find the ridiculous line that the ball needed to take to get in or? Shane has been going to Wentworth obviously now at this stage. I think that was his sixth PGA. Hmm. So you'd, you'd you'd be familiar with the grain and you'd be familiar with the line and you know when you're holding puts that lens, I suppose there is an element of luck involved and you know you just uh, you sort of when it went in you you sort of felt you know that you deserved that kick. It it did it did feel that way and it was it was it's it's wonderful to see those things happen at the end you know a one in a hundred putts just going in and to to give him such reward he played very well that week and. Uh, we all we all love seeing the success, and it's great for you, great great for you as well to see it. I'm sure that that kind of joy on the final green. Yeah. Shane looks certain to be in the top fifty at the end of the year. This has kind of opened up all the doors to all the tournaments. You guys can plan your year, plan the tournaments you go to. Are you excited to be going to the Masters? Um, I haven't thought about it at all. Our next tournament is um, South Africa next week. Then Nedbank Million Dollar in Sun City, and my focus at the moment is on that. We'll start thinking about the Masters, you know, closer to the time, but there's a lot of tournaments to play between now and then. So you, you won't really sit down and have a think about or a little bit of a dream about, you know, wanting to go to a certain event next year? It is, 
none that really kind of poke their nose out ahead of the others that, that you really want to go to? I think every man that's involved in golf wants to go to the Masters. I don't. I don't think there's there's a kid or a man alive who, who doesn't want to go and t- to be involved. You know, with it. Obviously, you want to do it. But I, I just feel that you know, there's there's a, in our business, there's a lot of you know getting ahead of yourself, thinking ahead of yourself, and you know you might you know play a couple of pure tournaments and thinking I can't wait to play another tournament. And so I always try and you know take take. One day at a time, one tournament at a time. Of course, I'm looking forward to the Masters, but there's, I'm also looking forward to next week in Sun City, and I'm looking forward to Abu Dhabi in January. So, hmm. you know, let's 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 do them ones and give it a hundred percent job there first. Well, good stuff. Well, look, Dermot, thanks a million for that. I mean, it's a great insight into life on tour. I know uh, I really enjoyed it, and I hope all our listeners do as well. So, thanks a million. Thanks. Nice to meet you, Barry, and all the best with your pod. Cheers, Dermot. Cheers, bud. So that was Dermot Byrne, and, and again, thank you very much for him for sitting down with Barry. Um, I, I, I found a very interesting conversation, um, and just the, just the age that he got into it, you know, seven years old, starting to caddying. Like, I, I started playing golf at seven. I didn't think of, you know, going yeah. the caddying route. Perhaps my, my golf would be better if I had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think as kids... Like I got, I caddied for my dad on a couple of occasions. I, I nowhere near now the level it seems that Dermot got to. I mean, he was mapping courses and everything back uh, when he Does was younger. Does that explain why your dad still has the handicap he has? Absolutely, he's terrible caddying as a child. Yeah, yeah, he can all. But you're like everyone blames the caddy, don't they? Well, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was great, fascinating to get an insight into life on tour because all we, 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 you know, we read stuff on the internet and the newspapers and you see whatever you're presented on TV, but you don't get to see an awful lot or hear an awful lot behind the scenes. And to get that insight from Derm, it was just fast. It was just fascinating and uh, particularly, you know, timely now that Shane's gone on that great run. It was, it was just all the all the planets lined up for us. It was, and thanks a minute to Dermot for the interview. Yeah, it was wonderful. I, I think the, the bit that I took, which I found quite interesting, was that it's just not as glamorous a job as you think. You know, it's it's not all, all high fashion and... Uh, you know, high end stuff. It's yeah. it's down and dirty. You know, it's it's in the rain. It's in the it's in the wind. You're there with your mapping out, and you know it's while he's off maybe doing all the the corporate stuff. You're out on the course checking for the mounds and the holes and the yeah yeah. I mean, as as, as pretty as it seems from the outside, we're only going to ever be presented the nice stuff. And I, mean, I think I took from it, at the end of the day, it is just another job, and it has its ups and it has its downs. And you know, it can be it can be just as grinding as as any other job can be. But and of course, they, very little security as well. You know, it's very easy. Well, yeah. One, one day you're you know you're you're caddying for Tiger Woods, and the next you're you're with Adam Scott. Well, that's the thing, and, and you know your paycheck to a certain extent depends on the performance of somebody else. So you can only do so much yourself to enable that other person to perform at their high level. But you know if, if they're not on their game for a few weeks in a, in a stretch, you know you're missing out on your bonuses, and you know all of a sudden things get a bit worrying, and you want you start doubting yourself and your ability to 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 work as part of that team so it's a it's by it's not an easy job it's not just walking around carrying a bag and reading numbers off a book no and, and hopefully uh Derba might sit down with us this time next year and talk about the likes of the masters and, mm. and what it's like to be in the, the the top 50 in the world caddying um at some of the wgcs and and, and see whether or not you know there, there's a difference in lifestyle where you you're in the top 50 um rather than down the other end if anybody wants to follow Dermot Byrne on Twitter, uh, his Twitter handle is at Dermot Byrne three, and I think it's well worth having a uh, 
you know, following him for the some of the comments and some of the inside information that he puts up on Twitter. Yeah, and Shane's always sending a few things that are in you know, a bit of banter back and forth between the two of them. Shane's Twitter is at Shane Lowry Golf. So uh, it's good stuff. Shane Shane's always on he's on Twitter a good bit as well and puts up some puts up a lot of tweets. Well that's look and again not to repeat myself but thanks a million to Dermot Byrne and uh, I hope that the, the the listeners found it as interesting as we did. Just um Moving on to next week's tournaments, and I suppose the big week is um, the start, the official start of the European PGA Championship over the for 2015, which is being played at the Nedbank tournament in South Africa. Barry, um, were you looking at the course or any of the players? Are you going to have a few quid on any player this week? Uh, I was looking quickly at the course, yeah, it's an absolute monster. Um, The reason being that the course is at over 3,000 feet altitude, so it's 7,831 yards. So it's a limited field of 30, and even 30th place gets 100,000 euros, so it is well worth the trip down to South Africa. A bit of sunshine, bit of golf, and a nice paycheck, and freewheeling for the week. So, look, I mean, I think you'd be wise to kind of put a little bit of money on Shane Lowry, like a happy man, you know, all the pressure of getting into top 50 off his shoulders. He's just going to be on cloud nine at the moment and swinging it very freely. Well, I suppose just to give the some of the the odds, uh, Louis Oosthuizen is, is 9 to 1, Lee Westwood 10 to 1, Jamie Donaldson 11 to 1, Martin Keimer 12 to 1, um, Carl Schwarzschild 14 to 1, Shane Lowry 16 to 1, Tim Clark 16 to 1, uh, Luke Donald down at kind of 22 to 1, Tommy Fleetwood, Woodwood, Fleetwood, twenty-five to one. Kevin Na, who everybody you know had nearly in the top two hundred, twenty-five to one. And uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez, uh, thirty-three to one. Who's either going to shoot eighty, eighty, or sixty-two, sixty-four? You know, to open up. Yeah, like it's it's tight like this. There's a couple of guys out one one at one twenty-five and one down at one fifty, but everybody else is kind of from fifty inwards. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. it's. Uh, as you say, it's only a field of, of 30, but they are our, our usual comments uh, from from our certain betting group. Uh, they're paying each way odds on four places. So, you know, you'd probably be all right <laughs> if, if you're... That's not bad, yeah. Another one I'd say to keep an eye out for, because South Africa, as we all know, South Africans play great in South Africa. George Kotsay has been playing some pretty solid golf recently and he might just put it all together this week you know, yeah hits, hits 33 ball, to 1 hits the ball a long way and playing at home you know it's uh, that's a good shout of 33 to 1 with 4 places in play and uh, that is from Paddy Power we're not sponsored by them yet but if they want to get in touch with us and give us some free charity bets that'd be uh, that'd be nice well my attention is going to be I suppose on the other side of the uh, pond which is the Isleworth Hero World Championship which is this is an unofficial PGA event which is actually hosted by the Tiger Woods Foundation and I suppose really while we're talking about it, it's because Tiger Woods is returning to action for the first time since the PGA Championship in August. He's out at 16 to 1 at the moment, but um, interestingly, he's got the new swing, new clubs, perhaps a new attitude for the new season, Barry? Yeah, new new coach consultant as well. I mean, everyone, I'm sure the, everyone in the world has seen Ty, the vine that was posted of Tiger's swing. You know, he, he asked somebody behind him, do they want him to hit a low cut or a high cut? And he, he shouted high cut. And yeah, the swing swing looks nice. Yeah, looks nice. and it, uh, it it looks now. We're no uh, we're no experts in this, but um, what seems to be going round on Twitter is that they're saying that he looks like he's a wider stance and a longer backswing, and that. 
Tiger is more upright and his swing is longer, but both are good signs. He certainly looked much wider in the takeoff than I, I remember him now. I wouldn't look that closely, but it, he certainly seems yeah. to have a much wider arc. But And it didn't have that lash at the ball that he's had for, for quite a while now. It, it looked an awful lot more con, a controlled release of power and... It seems that Chris Como is, you know, impressing the biomechanics on Tiger, and you know, it might build him a swing that'll last him many, many years now, and injury free, injury free, which is the most important thing. And I suppose we've heard so much with Tiger over the last while about explosive through the glutes. This yeah. kind of, you know, gotta get through it. it. It seemed to me like it was completely the opposite. This is yeah. this is a swing that I don't think I've ever seen Tiger had yeah. have, you know, which is, as you say, much more controlled, much smoother, and it. It's much more flowing acceleration through it, kind of like the, like the way Rory will do it. You know, Rory, you didn't, I wouldn't call Rory explosive. It's it's just a, a very quick but gradual build up of acceleration through the ball, and it seemed, you know, I got that idea from looking at Tiger Swing as well. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think I'm, I'm I'm excited to see him back. Are you? Yeah, and and well, I'm always I always sit on the fence. I I think there's a world of golf outside of Tiger, but. He's putting the new Nike uh, Vapor Speed prototype driver into the bag this week and the Vapor Pro Blade irons, which Rory was using at the Dunhill uh, Championship. But interestingly, over the last couple of weeks, he's actually taken them out of the bag and has returned the Nike VR Pro Blades back into his. So it'll be interesting to see uh, perhaps, you know, Tiger is happier with them or perhaps mm. Rory just decided that he's he's played a few weeks and he's going to put them away in, until the, the winter and start again with them but um, the other I suppose the other runners and riders that are there Henrik Stenson 6-1 to one, Justin Rose 13-2 to two, Bubba Watson 8-1 to one. and just before I go on if anybody hasn't seen Bubba Watson in the hovercraft mm. uh, prototype uh, golf cart it's well worth having a look Ricky Fowler nine to one. Jordan Spieth, who obviously is in flying form at the moment, ten to one. Graham McDowell twelve to one. Then kind of Matt Kuchar, Jason Day, at fourteen to one, and then Tiger at sixteen. It's a good field. There's no doubt about that. But it's, I suppose with the guys coming back from South Africa, you'd probably worry, or sorry, Australia, you'd probably worry about the likes of Jordan Spieth mm. continuing that form. But um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of decent names in there. Keegan Bradley down at thirty to one, and it's this is a tough course. This year after year, this seems to get voted one of the toughest and longest courses in the state by the Florida State Golf Association. It's it's a bit of an animal. It's seven thousand five hundred and forty four yards with a rolling terrain and has green. Yeah, you know, the greens are quite big, but they're undulating and fast. So, you know, I don't think that you're going to see them shoot ridiculous numbers this week. Um, I look for somebody solid. I mean, Justin Rose been playing well. If he, if he can manage to actually get through the front nine without going three or four over par like he's been doing recently, he should be in with a good shout. And we were saying again in the in the other one, it's it, it's a small field. It's only eighteen players mm-hmm, in this, mm-hmm. and again, Paddy Power are paying out uh, four places. So um, yeah, that's one fifth know. odds now, but still four places is uh, out of eighteen. You know, it's, uh, it's it's pretty attractive to have a punt on. So. Um, I think I'm going to open the wallet this week and have a couple of flutters. Oh, well, that's unusual. You can pay me the money you owe me first for all those victories I've had on the golf course against you over the last while. <laughs> Barry, before we leave, would you just remind the listeners about the great competition we have with Game Golf and uh, the fabulous prize that they're putting up and how people can enter? 
Yeah, so listeners have to send, well, obviously you have to follow as well. So follow at GameGolf, send them a tweet, and include our Twitter handle as well. It's at PodcastGTS, sorry, at PodcastGTS. And the best comment about Game Golf or a good talk spoiled or a combination of both will win the prize. And the closing date? Is the 14th of December, midnight. So we'll say midnight GMT. Yes, I was going to say, let's be very clear. (laughs) So uh, don't forget to give those guys at Game Golf a follow. And obviously, if you don't win one, I think you should probably, you'll probably be encouraged to go buy one after listening to that interview with John. Definitely. That that much enthusiasm about a product. I mean, it's definitely a winner. Um, Delighted delighted to interview him and Dermot. So thanks very much to the two of them. Yeah, so look, that's, that's it. So that's the golfing season 2014 we've seen the emergence of some of golf's next big stars the decline of a few of the established ones and perhaps the start of the rory mcelroy era of dominance 2014 saw the Ryder cup stay in europe for another two years and four very worthy major winners we have enjoyed sharing with you our thoughts and opinions over the last year both on the course and off the course we want to thank american golf we want to thank game golf we want to thank all of the contributors that have come on and talked to us for their support over the last while, and all of the other contributors. It just leaves me to say a very big thank you to Barry, who's here with me today, Alan and Bobby, who aren't. Without their input and knowledge and humour, the podcast wouldn't be the same. But really, we want to thank you, the listeners, for your continued support of the podcast, and especially the wonderful feedback you send us on a day-to-day basis. We've already started to plan for the new season and we hope to bring you an even bigger and better podcast early in January. So from all of us, we wish you a very happy and enjoyable Christmas. We hope that Santa brings you everything that you wanted, particularly that new driver, and happy golfing over the next few weeks and we shall talk to you very soon in the early new year. Thanks a million. Bye, Mary. Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.